everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the week of September 1st through September 7th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. And... And Ben Lamoureux. I don't think Alex and I combined have, like, the enthusiasm of Colin tonight. <laughs> I'm just a professional actor. I am just as tired as you. <laughs> this week we've got a bit a uh, big news block segment for you guys. I can't even... This week we've got a big news block segment as we discuss Mario's mobile game, tons of news from Pokemon Sun and Moon, Pokemon Go's Apple Watch, and tons more. Afterwards, if we have time, we're introducing a new segment called Indigo Plateau, where- oh no, we're not doing that. Never mind! We do, that's next week's episode, uh, so you have something to look forward to. Um, <laughs> let's hit the news block. <laughs> So we'll start off with the big news that came today at Apple's iPhone 7 event. Mario is coming to mobile. What? Nintendo's making a new game called Super Mario Run, an auto-runner Mario for iOS that will come to Android devices sometime after 2016. It's got three modes, a classic mode, a battle mode called Toad Battle, where you compete with your friends to get a higher score on the same level within a time limit, and a third mode that hasn't been properly revealed, which seems to be about gathering toad residents of your own little mushroom kingdom. And those features might even work with my Nintendo in some way. It's a one-time paid game, price TBD, but it seems like you download it for free and get a little demo version, and then from there you buy the full game as a one-time in-app purchase. After the announcement, Nintendo's stock jumped 20% almost immediately, and I believe it's still growing, seeing as this happened in the morning before we record at night. Uh, anyway, you can check out more info and screens at Gamnesia.com, and Nintendo also released an official gameplay trailer after the event, so you can check that out as well. So, Super Mario Run launches sometime in December, and they delayed both the Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem mobile games to 2017 so that they could get this game out first. Wow, that's a lot. What do you guys think? Yeah, that was just a, a huge announcement. You know, I wasn't expecting Shigeru Miyamoto to show up at the Apple event at all, and then once he was on the stage, it's like, well, I'm, you know, we know what he's going to announce now, because why, why would Shigeru Miyamoto be at, like, such a huge non-Nintendo event like this unless it was going to be that kind of bombshell? Yeah, I was at I was actually at work following uh, the Apple event on LiveBlog because we're a tech company, and so that's something that we do. And I was watching, and they were talking about apps and games, and they're like, there are tons of games on on iOS, but there's always been something missing. And I was like, they're not going to. Yeah. And then I see Mario pop up, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, And then Shigeru Miyamoto popped up, and I was totally expecting them to announce something like this at some point, but I was not expecting it to be today, especially since we've been sort of waiting for a long time for NX news, and Nintendo's been really silent on it, and Sony was doing something today. Yeah, for and sure. so this was just a really huge, really nice surprise. Yeah, I, I bet Sony can't be too happy either, because Nintendo's kind of like stealing the news cycle from them, because they had a, a <laughs> conference that pretty much everyone is calling boring, and then mm-hmm. Nintendo shows up at someone else's conference and steals the show. I mean, their whole conference was about HDR compatibility. Like, who could have possibly thought that would be boring? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's funny because that was, like, the most exciting thing about their conference for me. Um, but it was <laughs> funny, too, because uh, Sony the other day, I think, someone was reporting that Sony's even thinking about doing their own mobile games. And here mm-hmm. Nintendo comes sort of even up uh, uprooting that announcement. <laughs> so... You didn't mention this, but um, 
something else we learned uh, today. Not only have Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem been delayed, but Miyamoto uh, confirmed that only four of the five uh, mobile games that Nintendo had announced will be coming. Oh, yeah, that's in our lightning round. But uh, if you want to talk about it, go for it. I mean, I just figured it was worth pointing out since we were talking about the delays. Oh, yeah, for Um, sure. So that's kind of a bummer. And I think it's the right move. I've kind of been wondering for a while if maybe... uh, at least the Fire Emblem game, if not both Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing, might get delayed just because they've talked so little about them. And the mm-hmm. the sort of Animal Crossing Direct they have planned isn't until November. So I was like, are they really going to get these games out this year? And if they're if they're going to you know launch a Mario game on iOS, then I think it's the smart move to just focus on that and getting that one absolutely right because that's your flagship character. Yeah. And then they can still get. Uh, Animal Crossing and possibly Fire Emblem out in time to close out the fiscal year, but you definitely want to focus on Mario when you're launching Mario. Yeah, well, um, speaking of which, we might want to focus on Mario in the discussion, too. We haven't even talked about the game yet. What do you guys think? I mean, it's an auto-runner. I think it's the game that I would have thought Mario would have had on iPhone, like, eight years ago, but... Uh... I mean, maybe not eight years ago. Maybe, like, five years ago, but still. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's like we waited all this time, and they gave us what everyone thought they were going to make anyway. So you're not interested in it? No, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in it. It's just like, really? We had to wait this long for, for them to make the game everyone okay. thought they were going to make anyway? Yeah. I think it's an interesting choice that it's going to be a, a pay-once experience instead of a, a sort of pay-as-you-go kind of thing. Because every other mobile game they've announced so far is going to have microtransactions. So Yeah, that was a good choice, I think, especially for Mario. You know, like, what really can you do? Like, pay to get a mushroom? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting choice and a good choice, too, that they're doing this, like, demo unlock thing as an in-app purchase instead of just making it, a, you know, a $5 game at the front of the App Store because yeah. I think that that really hinders people from trying it in the first place because it's going to be a free app. I think a lot more people are going to be downloading it. and then Yeah, if you see a free Mario app, just about everyone's going to download that and try it out. So Right. And then, you know, the number of people that you're, you'll convert from the free app is going to be a lot greater than the number of people that you'll convince to buy a paid app from the get-go. Mm-hmm. One thing I was sort of surprised to see in the gameplay is that move where Mario kind of, like, lifts himself over obstacles and yeah enemies. he like, like leapfrogs goombas in not, there not totally sure how that works and whether i'm excited about that or not yeah uh, so i was wondering if that kind of signifies that mario might not take damage in this game yeah it seems like it's a sort of score attack game and so it makes sense that yeah. maybe the damage doesn't matter as much as it might slow you down a little bit but at um, the same time how can you not have damage in mario how can you not have why not have damage in mario right i was wondering if so there's the Toad Battle mode, which the uh, local multiplayer or online multiplayer, Seems something like, like that. Seems like a ghost thing. attack kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so you challenge friends one on one, and I was thinking if there's someone who's like one of us who's really good at the game, and then someone like my mom, let's say, who tries this Mario Run game and wants to challenge me, if there's damage and I get through the whole course, super high score, and she dies in ten seconds. Like, that's not going to be even close to a fair challenge. Sure. So I'm wondering if they are looking at scenarios like that and saying, well, let's have him leapfrog enemies. He doesn't get damaged. You always make it to the end of the goal. But then they want this sort of parallelism between the battle mode and the main mode because, you know, if the mechanics don't translate one-to-one, it can be confusing for more casual audiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the I battle mode that. actually doesn't have goals. It's just a, a level, and you just rack up points by collecting coins or, like, doing dangerous jumps, basically. There's a timer that runs out, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a timer, but there's there's no flagpole in any of the battle modes. Right. Points. 
Well, and I think I think Colin's point was more about the controls should be the same, mm. which I totally yeah. agree with. Yeah, because if someone dies in ten seconds, you know that's it's not really as much of a fun experience. But I do think that whereas the normal mode has those goal points and it's got levels and you progress from one to the next, um, I do think it makes sense to have damage there because. You know, otherwise everyone's going to complete the level. You maybe just will do it with a bad score. And I guess if you get a bad score, you maybe can't move on. But that just doesn't seem nearly as fun to me. Yeah. One thing that kind of surprised me was they have a feature where you can hit a certain type of block or tile, or I'm not sure how they're describing it, and then you change directions. I thought that was kind of clunky because I'd rather just swipe in a different direction if I want to change directions. I think that's simpler and less... requires less sort of wonky level design i worry maybe that if someone taps the screen and like the car goes over a bump or something you know then maybe you know i can see why they just want it to be as simple as possible well it sounds to me like this will be sort of like a level design thing where you know you're you're always running right so you have to hit the block if you want to like you know get something that requires you to go left i guess yeah but you know we haven't really seen this feature in action so it's hard to say whether it's going to be sort of implemented in cool level design ways or not yeah right yeah i mean i think it will like nintendo is the kings of level design Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think that that's going to be an issue um so all in all overall thoughts good bad ugly I'm going to agree with the investors and say it's very good because this will probably yeah. <laughs> be the first encounter with Mario that a lot of people have uh, who play yeah, games absolutely. on mobile devices. And that's totally the point of Nintendo's mobile push. So, Yep. Yeah, I agree. And we've talked before, too, about how Nintendo really needs to do stuff like that in order to get like new gamers involved, especially the young ones. Because people right now are growing up without any familiarity or nostalgia with Nintendo's characters. And so, you know, 20 years down the line, when they milked it all out of the 20 to 30-year-olds, you know, who's going to be left? Yeah. And then when, whenever Nintendo launches that new form of Mario they've been teasing that they're working on, hopefully they can convert some of those uh, mobile players over to the MX. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, definitely AAA Platinum Plus Plus on the decision to announce it at the Apple event. Really, really classy. Oh, absolutely, for mm-hmm. sure. Nintendo paid nothing for Mario to appear in the closing ceremony of the Olympics. They simply coordinated with the planners of the ceremony, and they got it done. Um, the bigger story, though, I think, is that the same spokesperson who confirmed this also said that Nintendo has no interest in sponsoring the Olympics. Which is bad news to me, because after this video's success, it's obvious that this is a huge opportunity for Nintendo. I mean, like, just imagine the cast of the Mario Sports games as the Olympic mascots for 2020, instead of, like, the Beijing Panda Bears, which were cute, but, you know, whatever. Or those garbage London Olympic mascots, and I don't think they even had any for Rio, unless they were just so ashamed of them that they just didn't talk about them at all. Uh, Pretended they weren't there. But I know this kind of a mascot deal is a totally different pitch than simply becoming an Olympic sponsor, so it's not quite a problem. But if Nintendo wants to position themselves as an entertainment company and to position their characters as entertainment icons, then, you know, I don't think there's any move they could possibly make that would ever be as effective as this. Yeah. I'm going to disagree slightly just because 
uh, not necessarily Nintendo proper, but we've already seen him make a bigger move by having a commercial in the Super Bowl. I looked at the numbers, and uh, the closing ceremonies at Rio were watched by 17 million people. The Super Bowl was watched by 115 million live. So I I don't know how much you have to pay to sort of get your IP you know out there in some sort of sponsorship deal with the Olympics, but if it's if it's expensive, I could see them passing on it because compared to some other sporting events, is actually a relatively small TV market. Yeah, fair argument. I was thinking that if they can do it, like, where they don't need to pay, like they did with Mario. But... Oh, yeah, absolutely. If that's the case, then they should definitely Cause, do cause more of that. Because I think if they have the same sort of organization committee as they did with the closing ceremony, which I yeah. imagine was put together by the Tokyo Olympics Committee, I would imagine that they can get something either for free or totally cheap. Yeah, they should definitely pursue something I, like that. I think the Tokyo Olympics Committee would be happy to let Nintendo make their characters the mascots of the Olympics without the Tokyo Olympic Committee having to pay anything either. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, as far as viewership, if they wanted to pay $5 billion and get, like, a Super Bowl ad, that could work, too. But, you know, I think that the idea of positioning them as mascots at the sporting events in the Olympics could be more effective, especially because the Olympics doesn't just have their presence, you know, during the sporting events, but there's a lot of promotional material that goes out, you know, on subways and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that there would be more of a cultural impact than a single Super Bowl ad. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to an extent. You know, I, I think they could do more than just, like, a single Super Bowl ad. But definitely I agree that yeah. they should, uh, if they can do it on the cheap side, just sort of work out uh, mutually beneficial deals, they should absolutely try to get Nintendo IP a big presence during the next Olympics. So at the Apple event, they also announced that Pokemon Go is coming to the Apple Watch, which will let you swipe Pokestops, your nearby Pokemon, gyms, hatch eggs... I'm not sure that this announcement is all that big, considering Apple Watch's install base is relatively small, and it sounds like this is a companion app rather than a full version of the game, but uh, any thoughts on that? No? Uh, Not Um, particularly. Maybe it'll sort (laughs) of provide functionality to people that have an Apple Watch, and therefore they won't, like, need to go out and buy the Pokemon Go Plus accessory, but... Yeah, <laughs> that's that's about all I can see this accomplishing. I, I think it's nice to not have to have the phone out at all times while using it, because that was always a sort of hiccup for me with the, the Pokemon Go experience so far. Like, I know you have right. ways to get notifications and, and stuff like that through your phone, but it's just not as and, and not as nice as the watch. And I don't even have a watch, but I'm just assuming. Yeah, I agree. Um, having something on your wrist that vibrates is much better than trying to f- fish something out of your pocket or having something vibrate in your pocket. So that by itself. Definitely. If I had an Apple Watch, I'd be all over this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. I, I also think that an Apple Watch is kind of tacky and ugly looking and overpriced. So yeah. I probably won't be getting this anytime um, soon, even though I wish I could. I will uh, throw in the obligatory zinger. Uh, you made that comment that Apple Watch has a relatively small market, and therefore this isn't a big announcement, and I'll just come back with Wii U has a smaller market, and so no Wii U announcements can possibly be big, right? Is that actually true? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Apple Watch is, what, 17 million? Really? Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Pokemon Go is also getting a new buddy Pokemon feature, Niantic has confirmed. The feature was found a while ago by some data miners, and though it sounds like a friendship system similar to the main games, what it actually does is it lets you earn extra candy for specific Pokemon species by walking. You choose a Pokemon to set as your buddy, and it shows up standing with you in your trainer profile. It would presumably track walking the same way it does for eggs, but... We're not totally clear on that now. Either way, it sounds like a good new way to earn candy for Pokemon that you just can't find repeats of. 
Uh, yes, please. Um, yeah, I'm pretty absolutely. sure this was the first comment we made when we found out about the candy system was, is there going to yeah. be some other way to get it besides funny dupes? And yes, yes, there will. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, this should have been in the first version of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's coming now. I, I can't complain now. Right, is the buddy Pokemon feature going to come along the uh, Gen 2? Because the, that was kind of what they did in Hard Gold, Soul, Silver. That would be cool, mm, but I don't not, think they would release a new batch of Pokemon just yet. I think they're going to wait till it... You know, the numbers really sink. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm just being fake optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new trailer for Pokemon Sun and Moon, which reveals a ton of new information. It revealed two new Pokemon called Jangmo O, a dragon type Pokemon, and Type Null. Type colon null. That was so confusing uh, to read. Yeah, it's a normal type Pokemon <laughs> that was created synthetically to hone the strengths of various other Pokemon. Uh, and they also revealed a puffy cheeked Alolan Raticate. It also revealed new creatures called Ultra Beasts, which seem not to be Pokemon, but it's not super clear. Uh, they revealed one in particular called UB-01, whose description says its movements resemble a young girl's. So I'm actually convinced that that's somehow connected to the female rival in the game, the one who doesn't like battling Pokemon, and they were giving all those mysterious character descriptions about. Yeah, it actually like kind of looks similar to her outline, too, in her color scheme. Yeah, like her outfit, I, th- I was thinking. It also revealed a few new characters in a group called the Aether Foundation, who supposedly cares for hurt Pokemon in a big lab called Aether Paradise, where they also conduct various research projects. This sounds like a front for Pokemon testing. Oh, yeah, Just absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was also very confused by Type Null getting a type because it seems like if you're going to give it that name, you might as well just somehow make it work without a type. Yeah. Since, you know, that's theoretically possible. It just doesn't get any bonuses or weaknesses. Right. I, I, I'm liking what they're doing with the themes because I was not expecting anything like this to be tacked on to this Alola region from, like, a, a story perspective. I would have totally have thought it would have been a little bit more backwater, a little less uh, science fiction genetic manipulation. But yeah, cool. I am in the opposite camp here. Do uh, you remember how hyped I was for Team Skull? Mm-hmm. Scratch that. Scratch all of it. The Aether Foundation is obviously the real villainous team in this game. I just, I just know it. They're dressed like freaks, which we kind of talked about when we discussed Team Skull. So, like, that's the first and obviously the most important red flag. Um, but then there's the name, which sounds super skeezy. The Aether Foundation just doesn't really sound like a group of pokemon caretakers and then there's that green scientist dude faba he's definitely hiding something but obviously what's going on here is that the aether foundation's experiments are creating the ultra beasts and obviously for some kind of dastardly purpose because really i mean to be honest i just don't trust game freak to tell a story more nuanced than that yeah i'm i'm really I'm really expecting this team to be up to some kind of shenanigans, and I really hope they're not, though, just because literally every single comment I've seen, like, on every story about this online has been people going, they're the real bad guys, lol. And, like, yeah. if your entire fan base can guess it from, like, a 30-second clip and some screenshots, then that's that's a little frustrating. Maybe that's a sign you're not telling your stories very well. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Game Freak catches us off guard, and uh, there's a, yeah. a different twist we're not expecting, but I fully expect them to be up to some sort of nefarious I mean, going on. This is like on. every Nintendo plot twist. They're all visible from a million miles away. 
I mean, yeah, I, I just I hate having plots in Pokemon games just in general. Like, I just don't think they go together well fundamentally, like, at all. Yeah, that I think is the bigger problem. I love it when they have stories and narratives, but when they've got these big plots driving the games through on a grand scale, that's just not at all what I think Pokemon should be about. Like, and on top of that, I think if it is going to have a cohesive storyline, that Game Freak just isn't the right developer to handle it. They yeah, definitely need definitely better uh, dialogue writers if they're going to yeah. do an in-depth storyline. <laughs> I, rem- I remember you and I were at the Pokemon Symphony, and we were laughing at some of the footage that was like, one of the kids in X and Y said something like, we're not so different, you and I, but we're pretty similar, too. That's because we're different people, but we also have similarities. Like, yeah. Well, uh, it, that wasn't it's, verbatim. It's but, bad you know. writing. The cutscene direction is generally not worth st- the story that they're trying to tell, even though this, the dialogue is bad. Yeah. And on top of it, when you try to focus on story and characters, the rest of the stuff suffers inevitably because you have to yeah. have everything serve the story and the characters. Uh, and not the world and the things you do in it. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I think that they can tell really interesting stories. Like, I really loved what they did with, like, AZ and X and Y. But, you know, I, I just don't think they tell those stories well. And then there's also that issue that, fundamentally, I don't think Pokemon is a series that should be about grand story arcs. They can have those things sprinkled in. They can tell them, you know, on the sides, but they shouldn't be the core focus of the game. Um, and, but I mean, you know, hopefully I'm just sort of worried over nothing. Um, you know, hopefully the Aether Foundation are the good guys and they don't mean that much to the story and everything. I just, uh, Pokemon's far and away the dearest to my heart of any franchise in any media, period. And every single generation since Red and Blue has focused more and more on story than the previous one. Um, and I think Gen 2 struck the totally perfect balance. Uh, Gen 3's was a little heavier than I would have liked, but I think ultimately they did it pretty well. But, you know, by Gen 6, it's just too much. And I, I don't know why they'd break the pattern now. I don't know why I thought Team Skull was... Uh. So, I don't expect this whatsoever, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. So they also revealed that whole thing where the... Uh, time of day in the sun and moon games is skewed by 12 hours depending on which version you're playing and so i'm wondering if the fact that we get the feeling that both of these teams are villains also plays into that where in one of the versions oh. you align more with the aether foundation and in one version you align so it's pulling Gen 3. More with, that's, that's yeah. entirely possible that um, could be cool because yeah a lot of people are getting that feeling well the aether foundation seems like they're good but they also seem kind of nefarious and then team skull seems like they're nefarious but um but if they're against the aether they're foundation they're also kind of then... cool and misunderstood yeah well so... if that is the route they go then i hope they make me somehow like both teams instead of making me hate both teams <laughs> because i didn't <laughs> want to side with anyone in ruby and sapphire well, that's because the the story in Ruby and Sapphire was terrible. I yeah. that that's interesting. I would like that a lot better than just having a plot twist where the Aether Foundation are the bad guys. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's a little dangerous too because you know we're talking about. I don't think that Game Freak is that good at telling stories, even though the stories they tell can be really good stories. You know, it's it's the actual exposition and the narrative that they're yeah, not so yeah, good sure. at, mm-hmm. at executing. Um, so I think that that idea where it's Team Skull versus Team Aether and, you know, the version of the game that you get sort of determines which one is, you know, the real villain, that can turn out really, really well if they can tell it right, but I don't know that they can tell it right. I think the idea really excites me, but I don't know that it'll actually do well in practice. Sure, sure. 
So this trailer also introduced a new feature called PokeFinder, which lets you photograph various Pokemon in designated locations throughout Alola. Really all it is is a downgraded Pokemon Snap incorporated into Sun and Moon. Um, do you guys have any particular feelings on that? Why a 3DS game? Like, why not wait till you make an HD Pokemon game and then this feature will actually give you beautiful photographs instead of ugly as sin photographs? Hey, maybe if the Sun and Moon NX port rumor whatever is true, then... That, the, the port that inevitably looks 90% the same, but sharper. You don't know how much they're going to remaster it. I mean... Maybe it's a full HD remake one year later. I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Game Freak. This is the company that made their new Pokemon generation on DS after 3DS had come out. Wow, yeah, so I forgot about that. precedent seems to suggest that they won't try that hard, but I would be happy to be proven wrong. I kind of feel like this was sort of included as a way to reach out to or pacify the fans that really want a Pokemon Snap 2 because yeah. I don't know that Nintendo ever intends to release one, so it's kind of like, hey, if you buy our new Pokemon game, you sort of get that. You can take pretty pictures. <laughs> and then they'll make you wait. They'll make you wait 10 more years before they release Pokemon Snap 2. Pretty 480p <laughs> pictures or whatever the 3DS screen is. Oh, 240. not even. 240p. Oh, good, good. It's good. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the news for this week, so now we're going to take it to the lightning round. And now we've arrived at the lightning round where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page, you'll see all these links. All right, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. On Wii U, the indie game Yoten is now available, and Mario Strikers Charged is now available on the eShop. On Nintendo 3DS, Monster Hunter Generations free DLC for September is out now. And as of today, Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice is now available in North America, and Super Castlevania 4 is available on the new 3DS Virtual Console. And for both systems, there's a new set of My Nintendo Rewards available in North America and Europe. Then we've got some upcoming dates to look out for. Sometime in September, Pokemon Adventures manga based on Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire is coming to the West. Today is your last day to get your Yogurt Land Mario flavors. September 9th, tomorrow, is five new Amiibo bundles launch. September 13th, next Tuesday, iOS 10 launches with a set of Super Mario stickers for iMessage. This was also a really classy thing to announce at the Apple event, so props, Nintendo. Absolutely. September 15th, Korokoro's Pokemon Sun and Moon manga debuts. That's probably going to come a day earlier or so in America. September 16th, Dragon Quest VII launches for 3DS in Europe and North America. That's the 17th for Australia. September 20th, Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse launches for 3DS in North America. And September 24th is your last day to get Victini as a mystery gift in 3DS Pokemon games. And Finally, October 4th, Azure Striker Gunvolt Striker Pack, a collection that includes both Gunvolt games, launches for 3DS at retail. Then finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened this past week. Platonic released some gorgeous new screenshots of Ukulele. Metroid Prime's director shared stories of his early days at Nintendo, meeting Miyamoto and more. It was also revealed that Nintendo considered but ultimately rejected the idea of including a Samus costume in Axiom Verge on Wii U. Because I can't have nice things. Because no one can have nice things. <laughs> Mario Sports Superstars is being co-developed by Camelot and Bandai Namco. Pokemon Sun and Moon might be getting a special demo like Oris did sometime soon. Yeah, you guys have heard me air my feelings about the 3DS Pokemon games, and I'm actually kind of interested now in, po in Sun and Moon, so I'll be checking it out. Pokemon Moon flips around AM and PM, so playing in the day makes it nighttime in-game. Hello Kitty is getting new content and amiibo cards in Animal Crossing New Leaf. 
Niantic is already working on new projects to follow Pokemon Go. Nintendo now only plans to launch four mobile games by March 2017. Terraria may come to Nintendo's NX. Bethesda will consider supporting NX if it's powerful enough. And the NX is the grand prize in Europe's upcoming Splatoon tournament. A new trailer for LEGO Dimensions showed off the Harry Potter world for the first time. Nintendo seems to be restocking several amiibo, including Robin, Gold Mario, and more. Mario Sports Superstars may get a line of amiibo cards. Amazon is selling the Star Fox Zero and Guard Pack for 50% off. The official soundtrack for Pokemon Sun and Moon is coming to iTunes in November. Uh, in the spirit of commenting on all things Nintendo Apple, uh, it would be great to see more Nintendo soundtracks on iTunes. I'll say. Mm, They've been releasing yeah. Pokemon soundtracks there for a long time, though, so I wouldn't read into this. Um, but yeah, Nintendo for sure, get on it. You can't see me, but I'm throwing up my hands. <laughs> um... Fans released a Metroid short film based on Metroid Zero Mission. AM2R won't receive any more updates thanks to a DMCA notice by Nintendo. Nintendo shut down the fan game No Mario Sky, so the developer renamed it DMCA's Sky. Shots fired. Pokemon Go made over $440 million in less than two months. And uh, coincidentally, Apple announced uh, today that over the last two months, they've had like a, over 100% growth on the uh, App Store computer this time last year, so wow. Metroid Prime Federation Force sold under 5,000 copies in its first week in Japan. That many? <laughs> Game Explain has released an incredibly extensive analysis of Zelda Breath of the Wild's E3 footage. I definitely recommend you check that out if you're interested in Breath of the Wild. Lots of cool stuff they found. And if you have two free hours. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but make some time. It's worth it. And someone spent a year making Mario Maker Course so hard that he can't even upload it, even though it's 100% beatable. Alright, so everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. I have lost all diction at this point, but you can head to iTunes to leave us a review. Please do. We're working really hard to make the show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. We all greatly appreciate it, including Ben, who is now up till midnight just for you. Um, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colinagamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Uh, and we don't have a lot in our wheelhouse, so keep those questions coming in, and we can be sure to have some awesome episodes for you soon. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. Alex, where can they find you? You can also comment at me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. And Ben, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Aramgard, E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can join the Facebook group, Nintendo Week Fun Club, to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy some sort of music. I haven't figured it out yet, but you can check out what it is in the iTunes description or on the post on the site. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week.
sort of determines which one is, you know, the real villain. Um, I hate the freeway.